You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. It's a really great honor for me to introduce uh, our speaker today. Uh, he and Jennifer are some of our best friends in the world. Uh, we grew up together. Uh, we uh, were in each other's weddings, and we went out on a mission field together. Our kids grew up together, and they are best friends as well today. So really, I'm introducing one of my best friends in the world. Uh, Cesar uh, attended the University of San Francisco, USF Dons, and uh, God always had a plan for Cesar. Uh, even in our campus ministry um, in San Francisco, one of my best friends from that, Kevin Agod, actually went on campus to meet different folks if they wanted to study the Bible, and Cesar... Uh, at that time, uh, would look at the bottom of his dorm room, and Kevin would reach out to him always, and he knew Kevin's shoes. So when Kevin was there, he made it a point to turn down the radio and pretending like he wasn't there. So that's how Cesar got started. But that's not where he's at today, but that's how he got started. So he came down to L.A. and subsequently was met by, uh, you know, Jennifer became a Christian up there and invited him out as well. But uh, Cesar is really quintessentially the rich young man who became a Christian. He uh, says here that uh, he worked in his family business for 20 years. So that meant that he started when he was three years old. (laughs) 20 years? Okay. So so he started when he was three years old. But uh, his family was very prominent in the L.A. area uh, where Cesar was born. And um, he became a Christian in 1990 here in Manhattan Beach. After that, uh, they uh, went, um, they served on staff in the South region, and then in 1991 and 92, they served here in the West. So it's a bit of a homecoming for them as well. After the West and a little time with the uh, Orange County Church, uh, Cesar really had his dream come true, and he and Jennifer moved to the Philippines and led, worked there and led the church as well from 1993 to 2007. After 2007, they uh, stayed on the mission field and went to Cambodia uh, from 2007 to 2013, where uh, Cesar learned Cambodian. He is fluent and one of the best (laughs) Cambodian speaker uh, in Culver City. Uh, One of the best in Culver City. Uh, Now they are currently on staff in the San Fernando Valley, uh, North Region, since 2003, and he's been married to Jennifer for 24 years. I think their kids are here as well. It's Brianna, 20, CJ, and Daniel. Let me get the kids to stand on up so we can recognize you also. Oh, there they are. <laughs> well, welcome. And uh, here today, I give you Cesar Lopez. All right, Cesar. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Amen. Wow, it's really uh, an honor to be here in the West. Thank you so much for allowing our family to worship here uh, with you, worship God together. And um, always awesome to see just great friends. Uh, I really appreciate Tony and, and how he pointed us to the cross. And wow, what an amazing story, huh? Amazing story. Um, it's good to see a lot of my, the OGs of the West. You know, I remember Lulu's Cafe. I remember... Um, what's that center that we used to have service at? Um, Olympic Collection, that's right. Man, I remember being locked out of the Olympic Collection. You know, I, and to see um, just a lot of great friends here. And, 
it's just really a blessing to me. It's good to see uh, my family here. Thank you so much for taking care of my mom and my sister and my nephew and my niece and my brother-in-law and my other brothers. And uh, it's just really great seeing them here as well. And uh, I'm just grateful also to see a lot of brothers and sisters that, you know, we serve with in Asia together. Um, I, I know the, the Doe's in, in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, I know Miyoko's some here around here uh, with their father for many years. And um, gosh, I just want to say how grateful it is to have that bond and especially to be here with um, Ken and Lena. Uh, we love Ken and Lena so much. Uh, you know, it's funny. Wherever they went, we all started in L.A., but wherever they went, we ended up following their footsteps. So when they went to Asia, you know, we said, oh, okay, we ended up in Asia. You know, when they came back to America, we said, oh, we end up in America. And then when they had Gabby, I told Jennifer, hey. I said, Jennifer, uno mas. And Jennifer said, me no comprende. And um, I just want to say uh, I love you, Ken. Love you, Lena. Uh, you're, you're really best friends and um, dear brother. Actually, when I came back to L.A. after visiting the San Francisco church, the first uh, disciple that came and reached out to me was Ken Chow. And I'll never forget um, him visiting me at the family business. And we went out to eat and we talked. And I said, man, I, I want to be with this guy. He just helped me. And I remember when we were saying goodbye and in the car, and, and he said, let's pray, and he held my hand. And all my employees were watching me hold his hand, <laughs> hold this guy's hand in the car. And uh, I, they didn't say anything to me because I had their paychecks. <laughs> but um, little did I know, from holding hands there to holding hands and crying in different parts of the world, um, you, you are a dear brother, and I love you so much, Ken. Thank you so much. Wow, it's great to be here. Um, spiritual formation, Wow. Tackling Galatians, what a great book to, to dive into. And I know you've talked a lot about any topics from live free, crucial conversation. You had Jazz, Chaz come out here and, and share his life into his likeness. You had talked about authority. You talked about spirit, sin, spirit, service. And today we're talking about a new creation as we close up Galatians. Are you guys ready for that? And I thought as I talked about this subject, as I studied it out, I said, man, what's the first thing that came to mind about a new creation? So can I show you something? You know, um, I love being with my wife. I love my wife. And she planned out this date where we went on what they call paint night. Where you go and you, you, you paint. And let me tell you, it was the most humbling experience I've ever had in so long. And I thought, okay, let me position myself in the, in the right chair in the center so I could see the sample and I won't miss a beat. But you know what? If you're right in the middle of it, everyone sees your painting. And I said, oh, this is not good. And I'll be the first to admit, I am not a painter. And people, when they came and got their equipment, their brush, they always passed by my painting and I know they're right behind me looking at me. And this is what I hear. Oh. I'm not kidding. And they say, hmm. I, there's that pause. There's that deep breath. In. Oh. I said, oh my goodness, this is so humbling. But you know, my wife and I, we laugh. We say, here, we're here for the Lord. We're here to encourage my wife. 
and you know, we're here to meet some people. But you know, I ended up, can I show you my painting? It's my creation. Now keep in mind, the sample was supposed to be this sunset over the forest with uh, trees. And I said, okay, I'll do my very best. So this is what I came out to. I know what you're saying. My kid can do better than that. And they probably could. And, uh, you know, I just laughed at this. And, and someone told me, hey, this is only worth something when you die. I said, okay, no problem. Um, so I said, this is definitely different from the, the sample that we had up there. So I ended up calling it something with my own creation. You know what I call it? You know what I call it? I call it El Sol con Rojo Afro. You know what that means? The sun with the red afro. So um, if you want this, let me know. Uh, it's worth more when I die. But anyways, I, I say this to you because uh, when I talk to my kids, they said this is, Daddy, that's what you call creation fail. But it's okay. It's all good. You know, I say this today because we're talking about what Paul says at the very end of Galatians. And he says something very powerful. And I hope in the next half an hour that you will be inspired by all the things that you've learned in the book of Galatians. That you would leave here understanding that it's not just another series, but God is trying to help you and I to become more like Jesus. And if you're here for the first time, it's great to have you. Thank you for coming. This is an incredible church. And we're all, all striving to become like Jesus. And that is really the goal as you jumped into the series, as we made a decision to make Jesus Lord of our life, is that our goal is to become more like who? Jesus. And to do that, there has to be a spiritual formation, a transformation. God is working in our lives to become more like Christ. And I want to ask you a question today, as we jump into Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, or 11 to 18. The title today is, What Counts is a New Creation?, And I want to ask you this question. Do you feel like a new creation today? Do you feel like a new creation? Merry Christmas. Christmas, what a beautiful setup you have here. Incredible singers. Little little or sooner than later, we're going to have New Year's. We're going to be saying Happy New Year pretty soon. And right here as we close out in Galatians, I want you to grab something here in what Paul is trying to say. Let's look in verse 11. You guys with me? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. Look what Paul says right here as he closes out this letter. And at the time when Paul is writing letters, they usually have a scribe that writes down what he's saying. But he says right here, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Basically what he's saying is that, scribe, give me the pen. Let me write this part out. Some say maybe his eyes were weak. Uh, That may be a reason. But what we see right here is that he's trying to come up and tell the church in Galatia with using a hundred font, some big and big letters, he wants to get a point across. 
So he says, hey, I'm going to write something here, and I'm writing in large letters here. I want you to get this, my brothers, my sister in Galatia. I want to make sure you don't miss this point. And he says right here, that those who want to oppress, impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted from the cross. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision on the flesh, in the flesh. And he says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and to the world. He's giving them the heads up. He says, I'm closing out this letter and I'm pretty much telling you what is the motive of the Judaizers. I'm giving you the heads up, because I know you're a little young in the faith. I know you're, you can be very impressionable. And I want to let you know that these false teachers, they're coming at you with something that can destroy you and your faith. I'm coming at you, and I'm giving you the heads up. I can only do so much. The ball is in your court. And I want you to know that the, 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 this is their heart. This is their motives. It's dangerous. They're teaching the gospel. They rely on their own efforts. They focus on the internal. They, they, they definitely value the Jewish custom special circumcision. How can you be of one with a holy God and not be circumcised? And the, the difficult part about that too is what they're telling you to do, they don't even open the law. Don't you hate when that happens? But he says right here, he says, one of the things that is really a standout is this. Is that the only reason why they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. He says, they don't value the cross. They value the old Mosaic laws, the tradition, the laws. They value what the ancestors have done. But they don't value the cross. And you want to be persuaded by people who want to point you to God, but they don't value the cross. They don't value Jesus. And on top of that, they want you to join them so they could even look good. That's what they want. You see why Paul says this so passionately? is because he loved the church so much. He loved the church. Let me tell you, I was so fired up to come to West. Man, I get to see the OGs of the West. I get to see my nephew. I get to see my mom who's going to cook chicken adobo later on. I mean, I get, what a great opportunity. I get to see my best friend, Ken Chow. You know, it's interesting. Ken Chow is the only friend I know. You've you got to call the first name and the last name together. Ken Chow. It just rhymes like that. It's like Kobe Bryant. You know, Ken Chow, Kobe Bryant. Anyway, that's a side note. But what I'm saying is that Paul, Paul loved the church so much. And he said, these people, these Judaizers, they're going to speak well. They're convincing in their arguments. They'll try to sway you about circumcision. But that is not a good reason to believe them. Paul explains why they serve another gospel is because the cross to them was too barbaric. To them, I'm not going to associate the cross 
with our tradition. See, they didn't want to discover the power of the cross. What that meant for them is that they would probably have to deal with the sins in their hearts. What that meant for them is that they're going to have to be vulnerable. What that meant for them is that they probably might feel a little shameful for things that they've done. What that meant for them is that you're going to associate us with a criminal act like someone on the cross? That's unheard of. What that means is I'm going to have to be vulnerable like that guy Jesus on the cross? They didn't see their need for Jesus. They didn't see their need for the cross. And that's why they didn't want to be associated with it. But wow! What's church? What's what's discovering God without understanding the power of the cross? The communion we just had. What Paul is saying, man, there is power. There is power in the cross of Jesus. Let me tell you what happened to me. I persecuted the way. I was there when Stephen was, was ordered. I ordered the execution of Stephen. I saw how the women stood firm in their faith while their children was taken away. I saw people healed. I saw people peacefully dying, believing that they're going to go to a better place. I was on that road. And all of a sudden I heard this voice. I was blinded for three days. And the only thing I could think of was Jesus. Three days. I didn't know if that's going to be one week. I didn't know it was going to be one year. But it stopped me in my tracks. It made me realize, because I know deep down inside, there was something wrong in what I'm doing. I'm doing some religious activity that's supposed to be good, but I know there's something missing. You ever felt like that before? I go to church, but I know there's something... You ever felt like that before? And he says, I came to know Jesus. I came to understand the value of repentance. I was baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. And that's why he says right here, may I never boast except in the cross of Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he could say so passionately, because the cross of Jesus changed his life. And that's why he's saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, guys. Don't miss this cross. Don't miss the power of the cross. What we see in Galatians 43 times, Jesus is mentioned. Paul says, Jesus crucified in me and I to the world. Basically, he said, you know what? Crucified in Jesus, and guess what? I crucified the world. The world's not into me anymore. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing that Paul wanted to boast about something, something he's going to boast, it's going to be about Jesus. That's the power of the cross. Sinners like you and me, without Jesus, we couldn't face God. 
Sinners like you and I, man, I'm the chief of sinners. When I come back to L.A., I said, oh, man, I sinned there, I sinned there, I sinned there. I said, oh, my goodness, but praise God for Jesus. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have to stand in front of God in judgment and condemnation. I thank Jesus. See, what Paul is trying to tell him, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And he says, I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And he goes on. And he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. And I can see that was 200, 200 font right there. Amen. And that's what he says right there. He says, what counts is a new creation. See, when you get your life changed by the power of the cross, you know what? You're a new creation. He said, well, I can't believe that. You know, I, I, I reach out, I stay in contact with my, my friends from college. And I really believe one day that they'll get to know God. But every so often, it slips. Hey, love you, bro. I say, oh, man. <laughs> then they go on Facebook. Cesar Lopez just told me he loves me. It slips. I hug them. But guess what? Last year, one of my friends, he's, he works for a very um, wealthy organization at in, uh, in London, he flew over in a private jet just to spend some time. And um, guess what? He told me, I love you, bro, before I told him. <laughs> you know, there's a power in the cross that I can't really fully explain. But all I can say is, praise God. There's a power. See, I went to church many times. I would be the guy that would come up on the altar call, and I would go to the far left of the stage asking Jesus to come in my heart for 24 hours. Then the following day, I fall into immorality from Monday to Saturday. And then Sunday will come around, and I'll say, okay, I'll do it again. At least I feel good for 24 hours, and God will forgive me. But I knew back in my mind, there's something wrong with this. I knew back in my mind, you know what? God can call me anytime. And man, what if he decides to call on me on Wednesday and not on Sunday? Are you, you, can you connect with me on that? You know, there's something wrong with that. But I kept living that kind of life. And you know, when you live that kind of life, when you know you're doing something wrong, and you keep going to church, you keep holding the Bible, you keep saying, I love God, and you sing all the songs, guess what? The only way you could cope with it is by hardening your heart. That's the only way you can survive. And that's why Paul said in the church in Ephesus, in 4, ch verse, chapter 4, verse 18, being darkened in the understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of hardness of the heart. And man, I'll never forget when Ken Chow came and reached out to me. And he held my hand. I said, you know, I'm at a point in my life that I don't care how I look anymore. I need help. If you want to hold my hand, that's cool. You want to hug me, that's cool. If he says something about holy kiss, my faith is not there yet. <laughs> and we became best of friends. 
And then my girlfriend decided to become a Christian. I said, whoa, this is getting too much. And then I came to church and said, this is amazing. And then when I studied the Bible in Manhattan Beach, 1990, November, it took me two weeks to make a decision to make Jesus Lord of my life. You know why? Because I got tired of being religious. You know why I got tired of going to church and playing the image game? I mean, we live in L.A. The image game is everywhere. What more so? You go to church now and play the image game. See, religious people don't deal with their hearts. Religious people like to hide sin. But people who are being right with God, knowing that they are sinners and they need a Savior. An irreligious person that wants to be right with God says, hey, this is my temptation. This is what I need. I can't do this on myself. Like religious people are very self-reliant. You know what? I need Jesus. I surrender. And with that kind of heart, and you study the cross, and say, Jesus did that for me? Whoa! This heart gets softened. And this heart starts to move again. Oh, wait. Right? It starts beating again. And I'll never forget, for the first time in a long time when I studied the Bible, I started crying. I never cried before. The only time I cried before I was a Christian that I can remember is when I watched a dinosaur movie. <laughs> and the dinosaur got separated from the mom. I said, what am I doing crying on this? But let me tell you, I, I celebrated 25 years making a decision this year to follow God 25 years ago. And let me tell you, I haven't stopped crying. Not that I'm a crybaby. Not that I'm a crybaby, but man, I am grateful that God has saved my life. You know what Ken Chow said? You know, they, Cesar Lopez had this money, past tense. Past, that was all past tense. Was. Before. But let me tell you, I don't have that anymore, but I still feel like I'm a spiritual billionaire. Not because of my own doing, but because this man, the Son of God, died on the cross for someone who didn't deserve it, moi, me. And because of that, I said, whoa, here, here's some. Hey, here, here, come to church. Hey, study Bible. Hey, you can change. Hey, marriage. Hey, let me help you. Hey, feed this. Hey. I want to give whatever I got. You know why? Because I want to boast in the Lord. That's what Paul was saying. That's what Paul was trying to communicate to the church in Galatia. I boast in the Lord. And because of that, what counts is a new creation. Isn't that amazing? So, listen to this about Paul. Paul Paul says this many times. He says, in Romans chapter 5, verse 2 to 3, he talks about, let us rejoice in our suffering. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, boast about my weakness, like was shared earlier in, in in Christ's power. He says, but let him who boasts, boast in the what? Boast in the Lord. You know, um, when we came back, we went to Starbucks out in the valley. And there was this lady there, and she was reading a book called, you know, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And she was reading, you can see she was really intense 
And we were preparing for a good enough parenting session that we do out in the valley. And we were with another couple. And we said, hey, you like that book? I said, I do like this book. Really? You're getting a lot out of the book? I said, you know, it's okay. He said, hey, hey, you got to meet my wife. And she met Jennifer. I said, wow, I guess that is the power of God, huh? She looked at me and looked at me and said, wow, opposite attracts. Grace of God. Jennifer started building a friendship with her. She started coming out to church. She was sharing about how she went to church to church, but there was something missing. She was even beginning to write a book about single life, purity, and God. But she knew something was missing. She started meeting other single sisters. She started studying the Bible. And she made a decision after she studied the cross. She said, this is what's missing. Jesus loves me. And I want to love him back. So she was baptized in the Lord. Now your sister. But you know what? She didn't stop there. She kept boasting about, i got to tell my mom about this. She's in another country, but I hope she can come back. And God opened the door. She came back. She boasted about God to her, talked about the cross, and, you know, she was able to baptize her mom in the Lord. There's a power when the cross changes you, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's what Paul is talking about about boasting in the Lord. So where did Paul get this kind of motivation? And I know many of us have been changed by the cross. Amen? Can you raise your hand if you've been changed by the cross? Okay, there you go. One more time. Can you see? I don't have my glasses on. Okay, there you go. Um, wow, you remember that? You remember that? You, did, you made decisions that even blew you away. You decided to open up your heart, surrender. See, it's so important. If you want to be a new creation, if you look at the heart of Paul, where did he get this source to boast in the Lord? Because he understood why he do what he does. And can I talk to you about this? There's, there's primary motivation. The Bible talks about primary motivation and secondary motivation. Paul understood primary motivation. You know what his primary motivation was? He was motivated by the grace of God through the cross of Christ. That's what it says in Philippians. For whatever was my gains, I now consider a loss of Christ. Remember that scripture? It said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, you know what? Everything I had was garbage. That was his motivation. This is his motivation. He understood why he did what he did. That's why he wrote this to the church in Philippi from prison. That's why he said the same thing in, to the church in Galatia. That's why you see his message is consistent. is that he does what he does because he's motivated by the grace of God through the cross of Christ. And you know, that's a great motivation. That is what we call primary. Can you say primary with me? Number one, that motivation will not only keep changing your life and transforming you, but help you get to heaven and help others get to heaven too. Now, here's another thing. It keeps us in Christ. 
It keeps us in Jesus. I want to stay in Jesus. You want to stay in Jesus? Do you want to stay in Jesus? Yeah, I do. Because I know my flesh doesn't want to sometimes. But when I am motivated by God's grace, I don't deserve what I have right now. I understand what Jesus did for me on the cross, and I'm eternally grateful. It keeps me in Jesus. It keeps my eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, here's another thing. Why we do what we do. There's also secondary motivation. And what I mean, these are other things that inspire us to, to know God. These are other things that inspired us to come to church for the first time. Like, for example, the love of the disciples. When I went to church for the first time, I said, wow, these people are the real deal. It's not fake. They're really singing the songs. They're really hugging each other. I'm, hugging's a little bit too much for me. I'll hug the women, but not the men. This is just a little too much. But I saw it was real. And I saw the love of disciples. That encouraged me to go forward. You know what else was helped me? The fear of God. Man, I watched this movie before I was a Christian called Hellraiser. I don't know if you know about it. But I knew for a fact that I'm going there. Hey, whatever God wants to get your attention. But here's the thing. The fear of God gets our attention. That's what Proverbs 1 says. So those things are great. The love of disciples, the fear of God. Those are good things, right guys? Here's another thing. Purpose in life. Wow, I wanted to be the president of the Philippines. When I studied the Bible, I said, I don't want to be the president of the Philippines anymore. I just want to go save the president of the Philippines. I've got a purpose now in my life. And those are great, right? There's other things too. I want to go to heaven. You know, I, I, want, to, I want to change life. Those are all great motivations. And usually, these secondary motivations will grab our attention to know God. But if the fear of God is going to be the thing that's going to sustain us in walking with God, we're going to have a spiritual schizophrenic relationship with God. Are you guys with me? I love my children. I love them. I lay down my life for my children anytime. Because I love them. Can you imagine if my children, their relationship with me is, oh, hi, Dad. Oh, Dad. Oh, Dad, Dad, Dad. Good, 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 good to see you, Dad. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Bye, Dad. Bye, Dad. See you, Dad. Bye, bye, Dad. Bye. That's five years old. How about you? Oh, hi, Dad. Dad. Oh, no, no, no. How about 25? Oh, God! Go, go, get that! What do you want to do? That's not the kind of relationship I want with my children. That's not the kind of relationship God wants with us. That's why in 1 John it says, perfect love drives out fear. Fear may grab our attention, but ultimately that relationship needs to be driven by love. Are you guys with me on this? You okay, UCLA students? Make sure. Okay. Um... Now, here's the thing. Hang on, guys. Here's the thing. I really want you to get this because I feel like when Paul, Paul went in a hundred font, he's trying to get a message across. He wants to make sure our motivation is pure. Now, here's the thing. We understand primary motivation is the grace of God, right? But sometimes our secondary motivation can become our primary motivation. Well, I'm going to love God because I love the brothers and sisters, man. Woo! I love. Love, 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 love. Man, I love it. And you've got to love it, right? But 
let me guess, how many of you ever let another brother or sister down? I didn't ask for your hands, but if the Spirit's moving you, you know, you can stand on up if you want to do. I've let Ken Chow down many times. I said, oh my gosh, I mean, I've let Ken Chow many times. And through His love and God and grace and God is just forgiving. I mean, I, we're sinners, we're going to let each other down. But if our love for brothers and sisters is the number one cause, the number one reason of our motivation, baby boom, you're not going to last. Or if the fear of God or the purpose of life. Now, don't get me wrong. These are awesome, right, guys? Don't go back to Cesar said that's not a good one. No, no, I didn't say that. But if your secondary motivation is if the motivated by God's grace through the cross of Christ goes as a second motivation, you're going to have a hard time. You know what happened? You will automatically fall into default religion mode. You'll fall in religion mode. That's what happens. You're not allowing the cross to change you. The cross is not a seasonal event. The cross is not a generational event. The cross that changed your life to help us get where it's at today wants to continually work even more powerfully. But the question is, is it your why? You do what you do. Here's my thing I want to leave you with, is this. Live like a new creation. Amen? Amen. Live like a new creation. Live like a new creation. What does that mean? Boast in the cross of Jesus. You boast in what Jesus has done on the cross. This is the Son of God. He didn't have to do it. He was sinless, and he died for me. That's amazing. So I love taking communion. That's why I love studying the Bible with people and helping them understand the cross, because it reminds me. You and I would not be here on the cross. Boast about the cross. Boast about Jesus on the cross. Paul's not saying that boasting is bad, but you've got to make sure you're boasting in the right thing. And you know what you'll boast in the most? You know what you'll boast in the most? You'll know what you boast in the most? You'll boast in the most what brings you the joy the most. You know, according to my mom, I'm her favorite child. You know? Nah, I'm just kidding. Angie's our favorite. Angie was, my fav- was the favorite child of my father. And my father would boast about Angie all the time. Now, when he became a Christian, he repented. Because I kept him in the water a long time. I said, Dad, you remember when you said that, Dad? Dad, you remember? Okay. But you know, what I'm saying is that what brings you the most joy, you'll boast in. That's why we have some awesome UCLA students here. I mean, it came in the beginning, man. She just threw it out there. So UCLA beat Kentucky, and her husband's from Kentucky. Wow! Just threw it out there. We have an awesome Pepperdine ministry. That's a beautiful campus. You know, if I had a choice on how I want to go to heaven, it's going to be on Pepperdine campus. (laughs) Jesus, you can come now. Wow, beautiful. We have great friendships. We love our children. I love seeing little Gabby come up here all the time. I love it. See, what, what you will boast the most brings you joy the most. That's why Paul says, I boast about 
the cross. You remember when you boast about the cross when you just got baptized? You didn't want to study the Bible with people, but you know what? Jesus is going to fix it. You know, you have a sing all the time. And you know, you just boast. Here's the other thing to boast in. Boast in what the cross has done for you. Boast in what the cross has done for you. You know, they're boasting in the, in the Lord in Canada. I'm not Canada. Well, they are too, but in Thailand. Um, there's this guy, his name is uh, Ashfa. He's from Pakistan. Ashfa was very religious. Ashfa had a dream that Christian believers and Muslims can work together. That was his dream. And in Pakistan, he started an organization. And he said, I know that's what you believe in, this is what I believe in, let's work together. And they started to work together. But the counterparts started getting jealous about what he was doing. Got to the point that he turned others against his faith in Jesus. It got so bad his life was threatened. It got so bad his brother was killed. And he had to flee Pakistan to Thailand. That was his dream. So he gets to Thailand and he finds the church on the internet. That's how you find the church nowadays. The spirit moves through the internet. And he came to church and he was blown away. He didn't want to be open about what was going on, but he studied the Bible. And he studied the cross. And he realized, I'm not a Christian. You mean all this time I was risking my life? And I'm not even right. He said, I'm grateful. And you know what? He made a decision to become your brother and Lord. And that's Asheville, baptized this year. Now he's helping other Pakistanis in Thailand. But he's grateful that the Lord and the cross changed his life. You know, they're boasting about the Lord in Cambodia. They're boasting the Lord everywhere. God is moving powerfully. And I hope today, as the holidays come through, that you will take time. And remember why we're here. I hope that you will take time and get your heart where it needs to be in boasting of God, of the cross, of what he did for you and I. I hope that you take time out and you reflect all that God has done in your life. And I pray because of the gratitude of your heart, you can boast about God. You could tell the world what God has done in your life because you're motivated properly. Don't be religious. Let God continue to spiritually transform you to become more like Christ. We talked about live free. We talked about greater community. We talked about crucial conversation. We talked about into his likeness, authority, sin, spirit, and service. I pray that today you will take to heart what Paul has said, what counts, what counts, what counts is a new creation. And that comes from something deeper because you know Jesus loves you so much. Stayed on the cross, died, 
was resurrected. And because of that, you and I can now go and tell a world, a dark world. We could let their light shine and boast from the top of our lungs and in our heart. I boast about Jesus. The cross has changed my life. I know it's difficult. I know the challenges. But you know what? That's when the cross even comes even more powerfully when we go through suffering. But I boast in Jesus Christ. Thank you. God bless you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.